1: you have an Airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
0: hello and welcome to off the beat and track podcast I'm your host I'm Stu Whiffin it's another week therefore it's another episode today's episode I talk to Paul Smith of Maximo Park and it's wonderful it's a cracking little listen this before we get on with it a few thank yous uh thanks to you lot first um how you been i i I should ask these things shouldn't i i keep i I steam straight into these intros plugging back catalogue and 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 the guests and things like i should always just check in with you i hope you're doing okay um i've recorded this one on the 16th of march and so we're all we're all still kind of uh, basking in the excitement that, you know, there is a roadmap out of, uh, you know, the pandemic. So uh, hopefully yous are all feeling, you know, lifted still uh, and focused that, you know, the summer's going to bring some some more freedom and joy. Um, before we do uh, jump to my chat with Paul, I would also like to thank 76 for producing this podcast. Um, I'm going to thank Scroobius Pip. Um, And everybody on his Distraction Pieces Network, which I'm very, very proud to be part of. Uh, Some amazing podcasts over on the network. Go and explore it. Um, And also, if this is your first time listening to Off the Beaten Track, then when you finish listening to my Natter with Paul, go and explore the the back catalogue. Because you can hear me speaking to a very wide range of, of creatives from musicians such as uh, the Foo Fighters to Motley Crue to Fatboy Slim to Suede uh, actors such as Thomas Turgoose, um, Joe Hartley Maxine Peake Amanda Abington through to comedians such as Ed Gamble James Acaster Jade Adams there's stacks. There's about 250 episodes. So go and have a, a rummage in the archives and, uh, and see what you can find. And hopefully you'll find uh, a few chats that tickle your fancy. Um, if you see us on the socials, please give us a, a, a like, love, share, retweet, all that stuff. You know how it works. Um, and also, if you'd like to support the podcast in, uh, in another way, then you can do that um, over on uh, our Patreon Um, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash off the beaten track Um, and then each week I put up radio shows over there I put up video episodes um, bespoke episodes that don't get released to the general public Uh, and so yeah you can support the podcast over there and uh, and get extra content and also there's about 200 episodes in the back catalog over there for you to get your teeth stuck into so if you're scratching around for a bit of content then uh, look no further Um, Yeah, I mean, you can find out about all of the stuff I've just mentioned at the website, which is www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Anyway, done with all that waffle, I'm going to give you some uh, some good chat now. And uh, it gives me great pleasure to introduce today's guest. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with Paul Smith. (laughs) Off The Beat & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, With him, Okay, we are recording. Joining me today via the means of Zoom remotely, uh, Paul Smith of Maximo Park. Hello. Hello there. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Good, good, good. Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, I'm... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, before we, we, we talk records, Paul, um, I just want to kind of uh ask you basically the question that everybody seems to sort of be asking each other at the moment like how they're getting on and and i just uh, I'm, I'm, i'm interested to know how you found the last year um as paul smith human being and paul smith creative
2: well um as as a creative it's been well I guess I was going to say it's been difficult but then we've made a record and um, it's you know it's out in the world and people like it so I can't be I can't complain too much but in terms of um, actually writing new stuff um, I've not done too much of that Um, I've I've felt quite bleak at, at various points after we'd made our record and we'd you know, done our sort of socially distanced videos and done lots of other things to prepare for it. Just before Christmas, I I, I kind of looked at the last year and not being able to play gigs and looked at the year ahead and didn't see much hope at that point. Um, And yeah, I think, I think that was, that was the point in this uh, year or so of being locked down and, and, you know separate from people sure. where I, I, felt I had a bit of a a bit of a wobble um and i knew that my daughter would be um at home probably um to to in the new year in terms of teaching and and again you know like as a creative person my time is during the daytime where where my daughter's at school and i can get on with things and hopefully generate ideas that are interesting to other people as well as myself mm-hmm. and yeah it became a bit of a um a bleak a bleak future but i think you know in recent months you know there's there's talk of, of gigs coming back and it gives you that little bit of hope again which you know who knows in at this stage in the game um whether whether the gigs will will happen but it certainly looks um probable rather than impossible which it, it felt to me before Um, but as a person, you know, I feel very lucky, you know, I feel, I feel there's loads of people much worse off than me. And I've always, I've always tried to look at life like that and, and think, you know, what, what, what can I, what can I be positive about? Um, I'm I'm negative about lots of things. (laughs) You know, if I put the telly on, I'll end up shouting at the telly, um, for whatever reason. Um, but in, in terms of, yeah, the day to day um that's it really you know the day to day is is how i live my life you know i've never really I've, i don't look back very often i don't i don't feel it's very instructive to do that i don't look too far forward and i just try and um go go from day to day especially at the moment it feels like that's the the only way to do it for me because there isn't there isn't something to look forward to specifically everything is uncertain it's uncertain whether, whether when you know I'll see my parents again you know whether it'll be safe to to do all sorts of things that you know we were used to doing and if you look at it like that, it can, it can easily get you down. So I try and just say, what about, you know, if i done good things today, what, what's, what do I need to do to, to, you know, help everybody? I need to get my daughter dressed, <laughs> I need to get her off to school, I need to do all of these little practical things. Um, and yeah, I, I feel, from my point of view, being somebody who works at home a lot when I'm not on, on tour, um, it 's kind of quite extreme, really. I go from being away from home a lot and traveling, um, but the rest of the time i'm i 'm inside you know on on pleasant days outside when when you know as a self employed person i 'm up here in my attic where i 'm sp- i 'm speaking to you from now, just trying to keep busy and and generate music and and learn learn more about things, so um i mean it 's not like i don 't go out for walks, but <laughs> it 's kind of hard to explain what you do to um sometimes when you're when you 're not on tour or you 're not recording it's it 's all these things to try and be a better songwriter and um today another lovely day, but I, you know there's, there's there's lots of things to do. Um From my own personal point of view, just kind of stuff to do at home and i've surrounded myself with records and books and films um over the years, and so i've 've got loads of things to 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 um busy myself with, so yeah, from that point of view, I feel very lucky cool
0: well. Let, let's talk about. I mean, you, you've mentioned records and, and music and songwriting. Um, so, so let's start uh, your, your playlist today, Paul. And um, for track one, I always ask uh, guests to tell me uh, the song they regard as having the greatest ever intro. Um, before you answer this, something very very surreal happened uh, an hour and a half ago, Paul. Um, I recorded this podcast with Dougie Payne of Travis oh yeah and he answered this question uh, he said I'm going to go for Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones and and he went let me tell you why he said he was in the back of a tour bus with Paul Smith of Maximo Park <laughs> <laughs> and this record come on and you explained to him that it feels like it's constantly playing and whenever you hear it it's it's just still in momentum and he was explaining it and I was like I'm talking to Paul in an hour. And he was like, wow, that's fucking surreal. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a very, very strange moment. Um, and so, yeah, I was I, I literally sort of grabbed your list and I thought, oh, God, has he gone for Gimme Shelter as well? But you haven't. So I'll, I'll let you introduce uh, the track yeah. that you have chosen, Paul. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there's... This, this so many ways to skin this particular cat and um I just I, the, I just went with the first thing that popped into my head and it is it's a it's a classic riff a classic rock riff um and you know I could have picked a I don't know a, a, a disco track um like Giorgio Moroder I feel love with Donna Summer something where you just instantly know what it is but um yeah for me I don't know what it was, but um, Freeze, All Right Now, just came into my mind because it's so simple and it's, you know, anybody can play it on the guitar, but it it's kind of hard. <laughs> I remember I was like, it's just the A chord with like a little sort of sustained thing on, but um, the vi- the vibe is good. And then you've got Paul Rogers coming in with his, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, it's just, it is, it is stupid, but it's brilliant.
0: It's a, it's it's a stomper, isn't it? It really stomps and I think it's got a just that opening riff is a is is a huge sort of call to arms as well, I think. It's uh it's it's a solid choice that. Um Paul. One one of the things just to sort of touch on songwriting, um and if if the way that people listen to music or, or, or get their music now, um, is far different now to perhaps how they did when um the 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 early recordings of, of of maximo park come out and and i just wonder over the years of as we've seen the way that people listen to music uh, and grab their music has, has changed a lot and we're seeing you know new generations of people that are consuming music via you know phones via you know snapchat and these different apps that are all very fast paced and and very testing on the attention span that seems to be kind of slowly getting faster um I just wonder if any of these things that are changing in technology and, and, and the way that people grab their music influences when you sit in a room to write a record. Are, are, are these things that you consider? And, 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 and predominantly as well for the intro.
2: No. Um, I, I mean, I've always felt like a song should have um, all of its constituent parts written um or at least you know when if you're in the studio and you think this needs a, an intro or the outro is not quite right you'll you'll work hard to do it we we were always kind of quite anti fade out in our band and i think we were we're more um relaxed about all the little rules that we used to have but i kind of it's still there at the back of my mind you know what 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 are you doing with the listener's time and um you know to go back to your question how are you going to get the listener to listen to your to your song you know if it comes on the radio or these days it's it's kind of the same really it's just it might be on a playlist or it might be um you know on a streaming platform and somebody just listens to that first i don't know 20 seconds you know yeah. some people might listen to less some people might listen to more you know and um it's always been the same you've got to you've got to try and, give an indication of what the song's all about in that, in that intro. And, you know, we've done songs like, I don't know, the undercurrents for, of our fourth record where, you know, it, it eases you in gently and you kind of, you end up with this, I, I guess, quite romantic, um, anthemic song in its own, in its own alternative anthem, anthemic way. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, you know, it, it, you've got to try and give, give the listener a little clue as to how it's going to go and, we've got so many different kinds of songs that i don't feel um limited to to sort of just coming up with great you know riffs or great um kind of what a keyboard riff or even on on our um latest record baby sleep we didn't really have much of an intro because the riff was great that the, the the whole song revolves around and that was the the intro but our producer, Ben Allen, said, you know, I think, I think this needs an intro. I think we can do it. And I think maybe Tom had said that as well, our drummer. And when they were um, recording the drums with with Ben over in Atlanta, which is where, where he was because of the socially distanced way we did it, um, and Tom was in a studio in, in Liverpool with um, Ben on a kind of internet connection Straight down, straight down the line to him at a convenient hour for both of them, late evening here, I think, and they somehow came up with this little extra intro with Tom doing a, a, a bunch of drum fills that go along with the beat and some synth stuff that that Ben did, and it's just a, to me now. I mean, I, I love it so much, and when I when I listen to the song myself, I just I'm kind of air drumming, and I, the first time that I heard it after they'd done it, you know, they kind of mixed the... Ben w- would have done a rough mix of the song the next day. I was just thinking, that's too long, you know, we need to be in there quicker. And um, I, I wasn't sure about this, and now I absolutely love it. And I think, it, it, you know, you need you need to think about these things, and we always have. So in terms of, you know, how people consume music now, I've been told that, yes, you know, people need need those amazing intros for for spotify or whoever and people do sort of you know they need they need um the chorus within i think i don't know what what it is you know within the first 45 seconds otherwise it'll it'll have lesser streaming numbers i've heard that the chorus needs to go up by you know x amount of decibels in order for it to to be a great um stream streaming track and all of those kind of things are kind of nonsense to me um because i'm trying to make good music not get uh, incredible streaming numbers it would be great if we could get both <laughs> by you know just coming up with with great music um and and defying defying those little rules that are now in place and you know somehow trick the algorithms into directing people towards our music but, yeah you no know, I'm, I'm i you have to have a focus On the music first as far as i'm concerned and the 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 fact is you know we're a pop band as in my head and i know that we you know we're called all sorts of different things alt rock indie art rock whatever um and all there's a a grain of truth in all in in each of those descriptions um but to me uh, you know uh, big star are a pop band the supremes are a pop band um, you know, the Beatles, whatever. Um, it's it, to me, it's it's about grabbing the listener. It's about cramming loads of hooks in there, having loads of melodies, and you know, I listen to lots of different types of music. But the one thing that somehow we always come back to in in Maximo Park is this idea of writing um, an alternative pop music, something yeah. that that still subscribes to some of those traditions, and and having a great intro is one of those. And if yeah, it, I think. It's it's a happy coincidence for us because you know we 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 will sell more records because because of that mindset I suppose or more people would stream our songs because of that but I think it's definitely secondary to making the music good you know it just happens to be that I I love pop music. Okay.
0: For the second track, Paul, I'm going to ask you for the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I was I was quite young, I think and i was listening to probably the radio i used to tape songs off the radio um when i was a kid and heart were one of my favorite bands at the time <laughs> I, I think i must have been like eight or nine i don't even know what what but i was i was i was quite into the soft rock sound as a as a youth for whatever reason i love again i love that kind of anthemic nature and and a lot of it was yeah built on emotions and I'd loved a lot of songs I loved music but I think when I heard Alone by Heart I was sad you know I I felt (laughs) I felt moved um you know I sort of applied it to you know a girl in my class or whatever you know thinking you know uh I'm, I'm kind of heartbroken by this this girl who I don't even you know who we don't we don't Have any connection because I'm eight or whatever. (laughs) It's just a um, yeah, but it it was it was interesting how yeah music did have that kind of quality where you you suddenly applied it to your own life. Whereas before, you know, I'd listen to whatever "Eternal Flame" by the Bangles or something and just go, "Oh, I love it," and it kind of makes you feel something. But I hadn't made it kind of tangible, so that was one of those where I think my dad had bad animals the heart record which it comes from on on lp and i listened to the rest of it and it's kind of hard, hard rock really um but i was i was well into these dreams and um uh, alone just cuz they were so sort of emotional and kind of i guess over the slightly over the top as well you know i think as a as a kid you know everything's broad brush strokes and i guess you know, before sort of getting into things like The Beatles, I was into, yeah, this kind of really sort of power ballads, I suppose.
0: <laughs> and, and power ballads, by of very nature, should be over the top, shouldn't they?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's part of the enjoyment. I mean, I, I, w- I, w- I would still enjoy that song, but it would be hard for me to separate it from being a child. Yeah, yeah. Ryan
0: Reynolds here from Mint
2: Mobile. With the
0: price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices Well, let, let's stay in those those formative years. Because uh, for track three, Paul, I'm going to ask you for the song that reminds you of your time at school, please.
2: Yeah, um, Confetti by the the Lemonheads, and that's because my mum went out and bought. It's a shame about rare the Lemonheads record for me on CD. Um, I'd said, you know, I really really want this CD. Can you can you? I've saved up my pocket money can you get it from Middlesbrough or whatever and go, and she was she was like I'm I'm off to Middlesbrough this morning you know do you want anything and um I came home in my dinner hour and it's 28 minutes long or at least it is with um Mrs Robinson yeah. as a bonus track and I went I, I listened to it twice in my dinner hour and ran back to school and I was just smitten you know that that the the sort of combination of melody and the sort of grungy guitars and the kind of acoustic guitars as well i'd never really heard i guess s- stuff like hannah and gabby off that record oh. or, you know and and i and i wanted it made me want to pick up a guitar and sure enough i went to uh, a music shop and bought the the tablature music and tried to play some of it on my guitar badly and um hannah and gabby still one that i i, I come back to i've actually i did a cover of that a few years ago Gave it to a, a German website um, to promote one of my solo tours or something, and yeah, I can still play that song. And again, I'm not sure whether I've got it exactly right, but it's it, you know, it's one of those where it just it kind of it, it it haunts me. I love it so much. But confetti was, I guess, the real sort of win after hearing Mrs. Robinson and you know, big cover version. You know, everybody everybody loves the the sort. That's the one that gets the the more mainstream uh activity when people are are interested in a band and i i I kind of waited to see what else was would come out from the record to see if i really wanted it because i had no money because i was you know just at school and yeah i heard i heard confetti and again i was like oh i've got to get this record now so yeah that would that kind of sealed the deal for a a floppy head early teenager who was kind of into pearl jam
0: <laughs> oh you, you you're in good company and uh and and that record to this day the minute summer hits and the sun comes out i go for that album i i just think it's just perfect pop music um and i think the, the opening like when confetti it's a shame about, right? I mean, Rudderless—what an incredible record that is! Like, there's so many good songs on that record, Paul. Like, and oh yeah,
2: my it's drug buddy—it yeah, it no, really it is. is.
0: And I just think <laughs> I, I actually went and saw Evan um, play uh, live, um, maybe two years ago, two or three years ago. It was with, he played um, with Juliana Hatfield as well, um, and. I mean, I don't know how old Evan Dando is now, but he was obviously when I was, you know, a teen. He was this absolutely beautiful man that sung these incredible records, and he walked out on stage and he looked exactly the same. <laughs> he looked incredible, and like yeah, it was just it, it was beautiful. And just just talking quickly about you know going going back, so I've I've also gone back and watched the Lemonheads perform that record live. And what are your thoughts on bands? doing that like you can go and watch the pixies play uh, um mm-hmm. I, I don't know uh do in, in you know in 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 yeah. fall what what are your thoughts on them kind of retro style shows
2: well i th- i think they've got their place in in the the gig constellation and i think um I, initially i was i was a bit kind of like well i mean if it's if it's one of your favorite bands doing one of your favorite records you instantly go Amazing! I wish I could be there. And obviously, people buy a lot of tickets for them. Um, And as as I've got older, you know, you kind of see it as as um, you know. Sometimes it's a bit cynical, um, and you wonder whether the band are actually into it. Um, And we we actually did our first record um, as a sort of ten year anniversary sort of treat for everybody um because it was 10 years since it came out and you know we we, we were only going to do a couple of shows in London and one in Newcastle and just just for fun really you know to kind of you know bez through it and have 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 fun and then it kind of it, it, grew, it grew from there and we ended up doing it I think we did I don't know maybe four or five shows I think um doing doing that um but it was to me it it felt like it needs to be part of something else rather than just that record so sure. we we did like we did sort of two or three songs off each of our records um and then we went off and you know, I changed into <laughs> um, an old, old, slightly ill-fitting jacket, <laughs> um, and changed my shirt, and and came out and did the did the um, the first record in its entirety, um, and and it, it ends on "Kiss You Better," which is not one of our most popular songs or anything like that. And I remember our management going, "Could you just, you know, you don't have to play it exactly the same, but to me, it was like the concept of it was was." was fun and to do it just like that we'd only done it once before um on the first record i think it was the last time we played that like the um we went off to make our second record and we played it at brixton academy and it was amazing to to do it like that and to kind of you know i guess you, you end up thinking about the sequencing and how it works and what you what you're trying to do and what kind of um message you're trying to send to the audience by doing it like that or when you when you chose the, the track listing so there's all you know there are lots of other things um in there as well as the you know the the clear sort of nostalgia that people will have if they love if they love a record it will connect them to that time in their life but the, i mean with us we've never really stopped playing any of the songs mm. we sort of mix it up and if we get a little bit weary of playing one song we'll we'll drop it for a while and then reintroduce it when we when we see fit um and we've actually we were at number one with our new record for six days out of seven um and which is incredible
0: (laughs) and congratulations
2: thank you it was you know it would have been nice to be there on that last day (laughs) um but yeah we we um we said to people who'd who'd bought the record you know let's put we're going to put on a couple of other shows where we play our second record which got to number 2 and you know if you buy a ticket for it then you know maybe you'll help us get to number 1 if you buy it with with the record and then we'll play our you know our top two records and the new record ended up being at number 2 so we end up we'll we'll end up doing those shows in September and doing both of our our highest entries our number 2 records so it, yeah if there's if there's a reason behind it and you haven't done it much, then it makes sense again. Those shows will be i mean I think the biggest ones, like uh maybe a thousand, and the others are sort of nine hundred and five hundred something like that so they there will be pretty intimate shows for that kind of thing you know we could have we could have obviously played in bigger venues and and done that, but it was more of a okay, yeah, let's do this as a bit of a a treat for fans who've, who've asked us to do it for years. So I think, you know, it's, it depends on how it's done and, and you can tell if a band's kind of coasting through something. And I think that's very regretful, you know, that you need to, if you're going to do it, you've got to do it. Um, and again, uh, these songs, you know, songs from our second record that will perform like our velocity, um, or books from boxes you know we haven 't we haven 't stopped playing those songs they 're still um very f- powerful for me and for the audience, and so you know we will we will inevitably perform them with the same vim but then there's then there 's songs which we haven 't played for years, which you know I relish it because i love I love all of our records um i you know i, I wouldn 't have made them if i didn't love them and yes there's flaws to to all of them um that especially you know you realize more and more in retrospect about what what you could have done in certain certain uh, at certain points during the writing or recording of the records but i i I'm, i have so much love and affection for them that um I, you know I, I will i will enjoy playing that that record again and i think yeah you uh, you can see you can see when people are desperate (laughs) and doing it and and that's kind of fair enough as well you know if you made a record and you have no money um and that's the only way for somebody to for you to get money again a lot of people who are in good you know in in well-off positions would would castigate a band or an act for for doing that um without any real um appreciation of perhaps yes they do need the money and whether it will be a good show or not that's still um you know, people have to live. It's not why we, I would do it, you know. And again, I'm in a I'm in a comfortable enough position to pick and choose whether we do something like this. But I think it's an interesting question because, you know, I don't want to live in a kind of retrospective culture. Sure. But I think there is a time and a place for these things. And if people love it, then why would you deprive, you know, why are you making music? You know, why are you sharing it? It's not just for you, it's for other people. And if other people are enjoying it, that is truly the main thing. You know, it's it's about... Other people celebrating music and, and enjoying themselves at a gig, you know, in a, in a, a life that can be hard work, you know, to, to give people that kind of release on an evening is, is one of the pleasures of, of my so-called job. You know, I don't I don't see it as a job, but if, you, if, I, if I had to kind of justify it, I'd go, well, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm in the business of making people happy. And I think those, as I say, those shows have their place, but it has to be the right time and the right time and place.
0: I'm going to um, keep you being retrospective. I'm (laughs) afraid, Paul, for track four. uh, I'm going to ask you uh, for the first song you remember buying from a record shop.
2: Well, I mean, I I got loads of CDs off my mum, as I've already explained. (laughs) She would go out and do the shopping um, while I was at school. And I I would get a lot of stuff for birthdays because I didn't have a... A really a part-time job very often I, I tried to be a new a newspaper um paper boy but that i fell off my bike <laughs> um it, and it, i fell off my bike in the in the ice and my uh mum again my mum's making quite a few appearances here a few cameos in this in this podcast but um my my mum came and picked me up and i i was kind of a bit bruised and me me bike had buckled and she drove me round the rest of the um the paper round and I sort of quit the week after but s- some of my friends saw me some people from school saw me being driven round my paper round um oh dear. the last the last few papers and so it didn't yeah um I got a bit of a reputation for being quite lazy after this <laughs> after falling off my bike um but anyway so I didn't I, yeah I was I, I I wasn't particularly into having part-time jobs and I was quite happy to just kind of yeah, wait for my pocket money to build up and send somebody else until I was old enough to get on the bus to go to Middlesbrough myself. And one of the one of the places nearby in our in Billingham, where I could actually walk to without getting on the scary bus to Middlesbrough was Woolworths. And so I went to Woolworths and I'd seen this Leonard Cohen best of, which is kind of famous. Really, it's his most. Um, it's I guess it's one of the biggest selling best ofs of all time because it it's just it's, always it's the, the beige shop. one, yeah. It is. It's yeah. him, some, some blowing a smoke ring in a hotel room, and it's yeah, very beige. And it was it was always on offer. You know, it's like six ninety nine. Then it would, because it was Wilbert's, and it, it 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 was a very strange shop, not really a music shop. It kind of went back up again to sort of nine ninety nine and whatever. And one one of the times it was four ninety nine. I've still got the sticker on it. I, I bought it with my own money, and it's one of. The, I couldn't say if it was exactly the first one but I, I remember going out and buying Swade's first album um, from Billingham Woolworths and they hardly ever had stuff in at a good price. <laughs> it was like £15 for this new CD and I was <laughs> it was like, what's this all about? Um, and, you know, every now and then they'd have something in that I was interested in. And yeah, um, so, that Leonard Cohen album, it's it's got so many great songs on and I was... I mean, I don't think I fully understood what what it was when I was an early early teenager. But the, you know, I loved certain the, the songs where he was doing the kind of finger picking, and mm. you know, the the I mean, I guess the hits. You know, the real the real hits like um, Chelsea Hotel and Suzanne. You know, they're just kind of cornerstones of yeah. singer songwriter the singer songwriter world i suppose
0: and how did uh, leonard cohen find its way onto your radar at a young age because f- for me I'm, I'm i'm probably like seven or eight years older than you paul and I, you know i grew up and my only knowledge of of leonard cohen was him being the sort of butt of jokes on the young ones as to like how boring anything could be it was, <laughs> it was measured by leonard cohen and and so i always just thought it was some really miserable music and then i also bought that album at a very young age and and i, I think it's an, an incredible best of uh, and, and obviously opens the door to a whole world of incredible records but yeah I'm ju- I just wondered how Leonard Cohen found his way you know uh, you know into your world
2: yeah I think there was a few things really um I used to read the uh, as soon as soon as I was interested in music I started to read music magazines and um I would listen to the radio and hear about new bands and so then I started getting into things like um, Q magazine and I remember buying that because I'd on the front and inside I was like who's th- what's this steely Dan who's this you know and I didn't really realize that Q was essentially for older older sort of musos especially at that time and it became kind of you know in in the end it had all sorts of stuff like bon jovi things that i wasn't into on the front cover and you know by that time i was into the enemy and melody maker and i remember at the same time as q being out they had this vox magazine Mm. and vox magazine was was like a kind of um i guess yeah a little bit of an extension of the enemy um melody maker sort of weekly's world it, it even was at black and white the covers of it and it had pj harvey on the front cover the first one that i got and it was just like whoa there's this other world out there that you know this is really interesting and people taking your music seriously and yeah. writing about it at that, at that kind of length and it was funny as well you know like q magazine had the adrian devoy who the hell does whoever you know think they are as the sort of starting thing where he used to rip into people and sort of um you know really sort the wheat from the chef out in terms of who, who took themselves too seriously and yeah I mean I, I was I was kind of into that idea of of music being so important that yeah somebody would spend the time to to write about it and I also I think I saw um Leonard Cohen was on Jules Holland so, um, which I was recording on the TV every whatever it was Friday night and and he he was promoting the Future album mm. and again I remember that being in both Vox and Q at the time and reading about this guy thinking wow this sounds interesting and the lyrics are and always have been amazing and again not I, w- I wouldn't say I fully understood what was going on but I was I was very into the the sort of yeah the more folky side of it whereas the future is more produced mm-hmm. and these days you know I'm, I'm well into that kind of later Leonard Cohen style but I was I just wanted to hear kind of guitars and and kind of sort of um softer vocals yeah i guess i'm still you know i'm still coming out of my my soft rock phase <laughs>
0: and the thing with, with vox and um uh, uh q and 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 select as well i don't know if you remember select magazine yes
2: yeah no select was uh, the next the next part of call
0: and uh like all of those they weren't shy of a cover mount cd either and uh, mm-hmm. and and they were huge introductions to bands for me as well like some of the you often get some really, really sort of good covers by, by by some of your favourite bands as well on uh, on some of them cover mounts. But uh, I don't know. Did, did Vox go around the same time as Select, or did it outlive that? I can't remember. And obviously, we... I think
2: I think it went maybe slightly before. Or um, Select, yeah, kind of um, didn't. Yeah, it got worse, I think, and then kind of declined. Whereas Vox sort of just. Ebbed away, if I recall rightly. Um, I'll, I'm interested now. I'll, I'll go and have a look um, <laughs> and do a bit of research. I'm interested now, but yeah, I, I've I've still got all my um, old like there was a cassette, a driving tape for your car on on cue, and it had uh, she, bangs yeah. <laughs> she Bangs the Drums. Yeah, uh, She
0: Bangs the Drums. It had Feeder. Uh, I can't think what Feeder track was on it. I've oh, got this
2: is this is a later one. I had one earlier than that that had. Prefab Sprout on and Kate Bush and it was it's yeah, I mean that that was like nine like nineteen three or something.
0: I must have it. I've literally in, in my in all my records and CDs. I've got a section which is just coverman CDs from uh, from from mags and stuff. But they definitely did do uh, one and it had she bangs the drums on it because I was DJing and I didn't. I only had that on vinyl, that record, and I just thought I had to take this drive-in CD just so I could play she bangs the drums on, on the new CD players. That's how old it was. Uh, um, well, I'm going to um, ask you for track five, uh, Paul, to tell me the song that soundtrack your years clubbing, please.
2: Yeah, well, in in Newcastle, where um, I ended up studying, I would often go to this club called World Headquarters, which still exists in a in a, a different venue. Um, it used to be in a really small, tight, sweaty club and the queue for it was unbelievable you would just have to if you didn't get down early enough you would have to wait a while to get in and they had a little membership scheme going on and you know it was like oh who's got a card you know who who can get in and it was um yeah they played loads of soul music and funk and obviously great to dance to as well and i would say yeah the jackson sisters i believe in miracles I remember hearing that a lot and never heard it before. And they would play that every week. The kind of house DJ, Tommy Corker would, would play that. And, you know, they would play Stevie Wonder, Superstition, you know, a kind of really upbeat sort of funky soul. And they would have guest DJs. And um, I I remember DJing there myself at a fine art party for the fine art department of which I was kind of part because I did art history and had had enough records to kind of make some sort of yeah it was all, all CDs you know getting behind the decks with my CDs because I couldn't afford vinyl at that point <laughs> um, but it was a great place you know because people as I say they did rent rent it out for other nights there was a night called Tricky Disco um, which was more kind of electro and housey stuff and it was just you know it it was the place to be as far as i was concerned and it was it was yeah a bit mystical to me because of the queues and not you know you had to know somebody to get in to get past the you know the people on the door and it was it just became this ritual you know to go there and to be there till whatever time in the morning and just you know let your spirit free
0: (laughs) and i mean also uh Shout out to the Jackson Sisters uh, track could uh, easily have been one of the greatest intros ever as well. It's a phenomenal intro, that record. Yeah. Um, I'd just want, like to ask guests as well, Paul. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned that you had done some DJing uh, whilst at uni and, and and obviously I've been in crowds and watched you perform on stage and, and it's, it's, it's something to behold. And I just wonder, would you are you Are you confident
2: um on stage, yeah, because I believe the music has a certain power that we've invested in it, and it's my kind of job to try and um, convey that to the audience and to put on a show and I remember the first time I went on stage, and you know, obviously i was I was nervous, but I also thought these songs that we've been making up are amazing, you know, and I, I feel like i'm I'm the right person to deliver them. And I suppose that yeah, there's there's a kind of innate confidence there. Um, and yes, you know, when I'm I'm doing solo gigs, sometimes I can get quite nervous because I'm playing the guitar as well as singing, and I'm not as confident at doing that. And so that, that 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 is definitely out of my comfort zone. Even though I'm kind of determined to do it, and also determined to do things out of my comfort zone, I sort of feel more nervous about that. And I suppose that reflects my more everyday character where, you know, I'm quite cautious and, you know, I I, I keep myself to myself. And especially, you know, the more that the band um, became uh, more prominent, I just wanted to be anonymous. You know, I wanted to be on the stage doing my thing and, you know, dressing up and, you know, uh, dancing around and trying to project out there to the the people in the in the the last row, and the last rows got bigger and bigger as as the band um, got a, a bigger audience, and and yeah, when I come off the stage, I don't feel any need for adulation or recognition. You know, I don't doesn't really interest me. I mean, I, you know, I like it when people buy the records and tell us how much that they like songs, and um, it, you know, it's really nice when people uh you know show you recognition like that and appreciate the the songwriting and the kind of the hours that you've put in to making it good as good as it can be um but yeah i think uh, you know i just want to kind of live my life and be as ordinary as possible because i i also think ordinary life is amazing and that's what our songs are built on you know i wouldn't i would never want to kind of lose that and so yeah i think it's it's not a bad thing to have this this um almost dual personality where sure. i can if if needs be put on a show and entertain and and again a lot of people don't want to do that you know make great music they don't you know entertainment is a dirty word to them it's not really what they are in it for and it's certainly not what i'm in it for but once i'm in it <laughs> i'm in it to win it you know <laughs> um i'm being silly now but it, it it's true i you know I'm, I'm on a stage you know i'm elevated above people in this kind of artificial construct, I'm not going to pretend that that's not happening. I'm going to play up to it. I'm going to try and provide something to to watch as well. And I you know, you could extend that to um, the artwork of the of the records. You know, every every facet is interesting to me as a consumer of music, as a fan, as somebody who loves music. So um, you know, I, I, I look at it like that. You know, what do I? What would I want to see? You know, if I if I saw this kind of music. You know, and I'd want to see a committed performance because it's emotionally driven stuff. I don't want somebody who, again uh, who's just phoning in it, phoning it in, as they say. Um, I've I've got better things to do with my life than to do that. You know, there's, there are other ways <laughs> to make money in life than to do some to to kind of be to to um, uh, be so disingenuous in your day to day business. Um, and I think yeah those are the kind of things that drive me on to, that maybe people don't don't probably wouldn't say this this isn't a confident person <laughs> they would they would say yep yeah, confident confident guy um bit over the top <laughs> you know whatever um but you know i'm uh, that's there that's part of my that's part of my character, but it's also just one part of it, and I think yeah being able to do stuff outside of the band musically has allowed me to feel um more at peace with myself because you know i feel like the sort of more reserved and intimate things that i want to um display or talk about in in music i can do that you know i can do it with with you know by myself or collaborate with other people and i think yeah maybe that's another reason why the band is still going and still hopefully making exciting music you know because we still love doing it and we have lots of sort of Strings to our bow, you know, we do, we do lots of things outside of making the music. I think if it becomes too all consuming and, um, you know, you, you live for that moment of being on stage, it's, you know, when that's not there, you're going to be, you know, there's going to be some real lows. And so this year, again, it's been easier for me because I don't, you know, it's not the be all and end all, you know, I I will put everything into the, the performances. I will put everything into the music but I can kind of step away from it once I've done that. Okay.
0: Well, I'm going to take you home for track six, Paul, and I'm going to ask you for a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please.
2: Yeah, well, there's a, song, a songwriter called Graham Miles who I've come to know through the work of The Unthanks, and they, they, they actually did a, um, a concert at the Town Hall in Middlesbrough, which I went along to a few years ago, and I think they do it on a regular basis when they can. Um, to pay tribute to the songs of Graham Miles and I think they know his family and um, he's no longer around but these these songs are kind of contemporary folk songs and there's a song called Great Northern River which the Unthanks do a great version of and um, I ended up singing it myself and doing a kind of new arrangement with Catherine Tickell who's a Northumbrian piper and is you know pretty well known around around these parts and you know in the folk world and she's got a show on on the radio um on i think on radio three where she goes around the world and plays different kinds of traditional music from from different countries including our own and um you know i feel like there's there's a lot of different ways to to sing this song because the song is so strong you know it's very evocative and it, it you know the great northern river um I think it was written about the River Tees, um, which is where, you know, I'm from Teeside. And yet I sang it on Tyneside, uh, on the banks of the River Tyne at the Sage Gateshead with Catherine tokel And, you know, wherever wherever you're from, um, in the sort of north, it could be a a Scottish river. Um, it, you know, it, it is it's specific, but it's also kind of quite loose. It could be something in, you know, in Manchester or or wherever. Um, and it's uh yeah, it's, it's, it's got some great descriptive moments in it and um, just a powerful melody as well.
0: It's a beautiful record.
2: Selling a little or a lot?
1: Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Last track, Paul, and you get to be DJ again. And, uh, <laughs> and it's your opportunity uh, to turn someone onto something new. And I'm going to ask you for, to tell us a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear, please.
2: Yeah, well there's a guy called Arthur Russell who is, you know, re- pretty well known in I guess avant-garde circles because he's done a, a lot of different types of music. Um he, he was a a Buddhist who uh when he when he went to practice Buddhism he he couldn't give up all of his possessions and ended up in a wardrobe practicing his cello. Um a very interesting character who then ended up on the downtown New York scene at the, in the mid to late 70s and meeting people like David Byrne and Philip Glass. Um, very interesting all round. But his, his his own music um, where he's kind of singing is, to me, totally transcendent. You know, a lot of the time there'll be kind of proto house music beats. You know, he was well into clubbing and disco and made it a lot of interesting disco songs under the different pseudonyms like dinosaur l and loose joints um well worth checking out this kind of organic disco brilliant brilliant songs but there's this song called a little lost which is really intimate and again you can hear his cello in it and it's to me it's it's just a perfect song i don't you know you can't you can't beat it i did a version of it myself um I tried I tried my best and tried to do something a little bit different with it and did it on a bass guitar because I was just messing around on a bass one day and thought and just singing that song along with what I was playing and released it as a B-side I think it was on my first solo single some I think I could be wrong um but anyway it's out there somewhere so people can find it but the the version that's that's that you should check out is Arthur Russell Russell's version um again we've talked about everyday life being Um, you know, interesting and inspirational. And yeah, the the lyrics on this, you know, it's, it's, it's about intimacy. It's about somebody else who you're close to. And it's just a perfect, a perfect song. Really. I I can't, can't describe it any better than that. Um, People can go and uh, listen to it, Paul, because we
0: we put together a a Spotify playlist to accompany this podcast, featuring all the songs that we've, we've spoken about today. Um, As as 2021 is, is starting to pick up speed, and and we're looking towards hopefully a summer of more connection and hugging and and more freedom, um, what are you looking forward to uh, this year, Paul? And what's coming up professionally?
2: Well, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing my family and friends, and it's kind of the most important thing. You know, it's it's become more and more and more important as time's gone on um and from a professional point of view yeah i mean my my life usually does revolve around tours i can kind of mark off the the dates on the calendar and say yep yeah, looking forward to that and we've got some shows in august and then september which are still on the cards if the 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 so-called road map is to be Um, believed or to be adhered to or if you know if if nothing goes wrong with the kind of data then yeah live shows are set to come back and hopefully the vaccination process will allow that and you know there'll no doubt be some restrictions in place whether it's you know hand sanitizer and whatever it remains to be seen exactly how how those shows will happen but at the moment happening you know we've rescheduled our june shows that we had a big uk tour to uh the first week of october and we've got i mean we've got like the isle of Wight festival which is due to happen in mid-september which has been shifted along from june so yeah there are there are things that we are looking forward to i don't look forward to them too much because you know we've seen over the past year how things can ebb and flow with the pandemic um and you know if everybody if everybody does their bit and we all act accordingly, then I'm pretty hopeful yeah that we'll be we'll be back towards the end of this year and we'll just we'll just wait and see because everything's everything's so last minute you know we don't want to pull gigs if we don't have to um nobody nobody wants that, and there's going to be a a sort of pile up of um rescheduled dates as well, so it'll be tough to get mm. any you know actual venues next to each other it'll be a bit potluck in terms of booking tours for people so yeah hopefully those shows can happen and over the next few months I guess we'll just try and keep working on some new music for people you know once you've got one one record out of the way if you, you know if you haven't got any tours coming up it's a it's a good good time to get back into the studio and try and find find different things to do you know I've I've got a record that I made with Rachel Unthank from the Unthanks actually, um, since I've mentioned since I've mentioned her earlier. Um and I'd like to put that out at some point. I don't know when the right time to, to do it is because, you know, it'd be great to go out and do a few gigs and sing with her and, you know, Maximo Park and the Unthanks are, are all, you know, all of our live stuff will be a bit a bit kind of tipped over towards the end of this year and early next year. So yeah, there's there's loads of things that I'd like to do and it's just just a bit of a waiting game and just like everybody i suppose
0: and and in regards to you know rescheduled shows and new music where's the best place for people to to keep up to speed with 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 you paul
2: yeah well keep keep up on all of the social media platforms um i'm sure maximopark.com will continue to be updated with all of the different live dates but yeah we we try and stay in touch and there's Paul Smith music my twitter i'll i'll periodically check that and update that most days with what i'm listening to and what i'm watching and what i'm reading things like that um and yeah, there'll always be, they'll always be um, constant updates. We're trying to, we're trying to be, because, especially because people aren't able to, to be out and about and we're all trapped online a little bit and c- trying to stay connected with other people. So yeah, our Maximo Park official Twitters and Instagrams and Facebooks will all be continually updated with news.
0: Lovely. Paul, it's been an absolute delight talking to you. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Thanks, Stu. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem. Thank you. Have a lovely day.
2: And you. Bye.
0: There you go. I mean, I don't know how incredible Paul's voice sounded to use, uh, if you're listening to it, uh, on a stereo or on headphones, but the microphone he had must have been incredible because what was coming into my ear holes was literally, like, so... Oh, it was just... Like so warm and uh and velvety, yeah. Like uh, a a a real, really lovely voice to uh to, to listen to. And I should point out as well that normally I do this sort of face to face over Zoom, uh and, and Paul's camera wasn't on. So it, it it was just I I think maybe that's where I'm going wrong. I'm looking at people when I'm chatting to them over Zoom and and, and yeah, I just kind of got caught up in the voice a lot lot more. Um I hope you enjoyed that chat as much as uh, I did recording it. Um, Go and check out, um, obviously, Maximo Park and Paul's stuff over on the uh, aforementioned websites and socials. Um, As mentioned at the beginning, if you enjoyed that, go and have a look in the archives. If you like your kind of British indie stuff, then, oh, blimey, who have I spoke to? There's a lot. Suede. um, Gosh. Oh, where to go from here? Um, Travis. uh, Gosh. Like, I've I've literally spoke to a, a lot of the, the kind of the the best British indie bands of of the last twenty years because that's my bag, that's what I like doing. So go and have an explore um because you'll find a stack of chats that I'm sure you'll be interested in uh in listening to Um, I think I can stop waffling there as mentioned at the beginning everything you need to know about this podcast is on www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com I'm back next time thanks once more to Paul Uh, thanks to you lovely lot for listening be excellent to each other and I'll see you soon bye bye I've got an announcement Save Our Souls Clothing www.sosclothing.co.uk why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor, yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year, and they're based in end on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beat & Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him.